Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of Driven by Design. The only show that shows you the future of design and what drives us today. One conversation at a time. With the man who seems to talk to everybody. From his new office and outdoor uh, park in uh, the middle of Santa Monica here, I bring you the one and only Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. We are on location today in Santa Monica. I figured we'll do this outside. It's a beautiful day sitting here. In the, this is not a virtual background. This is the real deal. I figure that's sort of the future of automotive. You can be and will be everywhere all at the same time. But uh, I'm very excited about our guest today because he represents a company that I think is right on the verge of the paradigm shift in automotive design in terms of autonomous cars and where we're going. Uh, Zing Automotive has in my opinion, maybe solved the issue that none of the other startups are thinking about. So without further ado, I'll let you introduce yourself. Let's uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, my, my name is Brent Shedd. I, as mentioned, I, I run a startup and, uh, you know, we're developing electric autonomous ground service equipment for airlines and cargo operators. Indeed you are. Space to be in. Yes. Talk to me a bit about this because you know, in, so, you know, my background being in automotive design, I, uh, you know, working with Nissan and major OEMs and then now mostly with startups who are doing autonomous cars. The one thing I really noticed that they all haven't sort of got yet, which you guys seem to have is you're providing this platform that is completely modular, meaning what's happening today is giving access to growth for your company as far as where it will go in the future. Can you? Tell people in a nutshell, what is the essence of your company? Why did you create it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you designed it. You, you, you described it pretty well. Um, there, you know, the, the use cases for autonomy are manifold, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are some use cases that just kind of rise above the rest. And the airport tarmac is a space that hasn't seen significant, you know, technological advancement in 50 years. Right. So mm -hmm. you've got heavily polluting vehicles that are all super mission specific. And in, in a, in a, in most cases, it's, it's all old technology. Right. So to be able to bring, to take a, an approach from an autonomy first kind of perspective to that tarmac and reimagine why do we have so many different vehicles when in fact, if we created a natively autonomous vehicle from the ground up, it could replace a bunch of these existing polluting vehicles. It would make the tarmac incredibly safer. It would make it would lower operating costs, you know, 70% mm -hmm. plus. I mean, it just, it completely transforms the environment. So yeah, that's what we're excited about. And you're right. We, we've, we've engineered this, this platform that enables one vehicle to do everything from you know, towing baggage to to pushing airplanes to, you know, doing perimeter security, uh, foreign object detection. I mean, it is a very long list of capabilities for, for this one vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so that, that allows airlines and, and cargo operators to really reduce the number of vehicles that they have in their fleet, which completely changes their operating structure and costs and, and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, and, and for people who may not be familiar, uh, every time you get on a plane, you look out the window and you see that little truck that says tug and it's like a little tugboat truck, which is like, 
you know, something anybody has grown up with, right? It's sort of been there and then there since the Pan Am days throughout, you know, the deregulation. It's just that little icon, little tugboat on the land kind of situation. And that's what we're really talking about here is where does that technology go? So part of this, this podcast, Brent, is really, it's about the technical side, but it's really of stories of inspiration, why people are doing the things that they're doing. And what I'd love for you to talk about is, where did you get the idea? How did the company start? What was the naissance of this uh, brilliant idea? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the company started, actually, you know, its roots date back to 2018, doing, doing autonomy retrofits for Geely Automotive. You know, the decision was made, honestly, by our CTO, Dante Zeviar, to create this mobility platform. Um, and, and that decision was really powered by the realization that retrofitting vehicles that were designed for human operation have very real constraints in terms of oh, what yes. those vehicles are capable of doing, right? And mm-hmm. if you were to, to, to just take a clean sheet approach to designing a vehicle that is natively autonomous, it changes so much. And, and so many of those capabilities kind of come to the, to, to the forefront that you, you can, you can do away with so many of the, the constraints that exist for existing OEM manufacturers today. Because, mm-hmm. you know, so many of them are looking at how do we sell more in, in our instance, how we sell more tractors or how do we sell more vehicles? Let's throw some autonomy on there and, and, and we'll, we'll continue to sell the tractors that we've got versus again, you know, taking our approach, which is if you look at this from a, from a, from a clean sheet perspective, it's not just about the vehicles and, and the design of the vehicles. It's what those vehicles are capable of doing, operating as a team on the, on the tarmac, right? Communicating with humans visually, auditorily through, you know, uh, a mobile device. All of these different capabilities that, you know, traditional OEMs don't tend to even think about. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're too focused on their, their existing, um, you know, revenue structure. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the things you touch on is, is you're really talking about level one before autonomy, right? So for, yeah. for those who do watch this uh, podcast from time to time, I'd say a lot of the, the things would be familiar with the ideas of different levels of, of autonomy. But but basically, level one would be, you know, something like ABS in a car, something that the computer is making the decision for you. And then you get all the way to like level two or three, which still has a steering wheel. But what you guys are talking about is level four, where it was never intended to be operated by a human and what we're And what we're entering into is a new age of design, which is really about robotics. And the concept of what we consider a vehicle is changing and fundamentally. Um, it's almost closer to something that would have been drawn by horse and buggy in the 1800s, except for that the artificial intelligence is now the horse, right? <laughs> and so no person was ever intended. But I love what you said about the vehicle communicating with humans, because that is the biggest part of design is communication between the object, which in this case is some sort of vehicle, and the person, meaning anybody on the ground and the crew. Talk a bit about that, because that area of design is exploding in autonomous cars, vehicles, rather. Um, How does a vehicle like the one you're creating communicate? Yeah, I mean, I... I, uh... (laughs) I refer to it as the future of teamwork, right? Because okay. more and more, our coworkers are going to be these robots. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have a way of communicating with that robot because if I can't communicate with it, I fear what I don't understand, right? So if mm-hmm. I don't know, if it knows that I'm here, 
it may wind up hitting me or it may wind up taking my job or, you know, who knows? It's my robot overlord, right? So mm -hmm. you've got to design for that and enable that, that type of communication. But then on the other side to it, right? These robots are also co-workers to themselves. So they need to be speaking and, and working as a collective that includes me, but it includes me as a human with my capabilities and they have their capabilities. And so collectively, we, we need to operate in this teamwork environment that when executed successfully can take such a cognitive load off of the humans because mm -hmm. those robots can figure stuff out that we don't have to figure out for them, right? They can work that th those things out. Bring me in when I need to come in, and I'm going to focus on the things that I do really well that, that a robot's not going to be able to do really well. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're really talking about two different kinds of co communication. You're talking about direct communication, meaning the, the robot tells you uh, it's going to do this thing. It's going to turn left. It's going to turn right. It's going to stop. But the other side of communication you're talking about is much more esoteric and a little bit more difficult, I think, uh, a little more complex. And what, it, what it's talking about is the communication of the unknown, which is where you get into fear, right? And so what I think is fascinating about this world we're entering in is, is if you look back on the history of like human technology, anytime there's an innovation, you'll always have a couple generations that are fearful of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Even when we first had trains, they were on natural speed. They were capable of going right. And so we were afraid of that. And I find with autonomous cars, uh, certainly people in my generation and the, and the boomers uh, <laughs> are, I was about to make a joke, but I'll, I'll leave. I'll, I, the poor boomers are being so beat up in the media right now. I'll let them go. But there's a fear there that they may never get over. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Because what you find happens is that this, this, it isn't the thing they're afraid of. It's actually a thing that makes life more interesting. It allows us to do what we do best. And it turns out when you're talking about things like commuting or moving airplanes around, uh, computers are actually pretty good at this. Uh, and what they don't do, what humans do, is get distracted. Right. Uh, and, and what I think is fascinating when you talk about commuting versus driving, let's say more in the cars that go on the street, Nobody's coming to take away cars and drive in and enjoy and have the perception of control. And I think that's where the fear lies is that that's all going to be taken away. And it, it really isn't that. It's this hybrid of a new kind of technology that when we look back on it, we'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe we used to live. I can't believe we used to allow a human being to operate a machine that could pull a 747 around an airport and potentially crash, right? And it, it just, It'll seem like putting, it'll seem like smoking in front of a baby to yeah. people from the 1950s, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of what, you know, I think a lot of our job, uh, what we do as people working on the forefront of this technology is to sort of try to communicate that as best we can, but also have faith that sometimes you just, you just, you just can't, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're going you're gonna to have some fear along the way. Um, well, and a lot of people don't realize that every year, $10 billion of damage happens on the tarmac, 3.5 billion in the US alone, caused by human operators that get too close to the, the air intake on the engine and it sucks sure. one of those cargo containers into the engine, or they get out of the baggage tractor and they forget to put on the brake and the baggage tractor just runs right into the plane, right? So that, mm -hmm. that impacts everybody on that plane. That plane's sure. not leaving now. And when a plane gets taken out of service, that has this snowball effect on the rest of the schedule, right? And so you mm -hmm. might be heading co someplace completely different 
but your your flight gets impacted because an entire you know departure got taken off the schedule and all those people are coming onto your plane now and we just right. don't think about all that so you're right. There's well, there's a time coming where we will really wonder why did we ever let humans do that? This is not a <laughs> job we, that humans are great at. Yes, and you know it's it's interesting because it I love hearing about things because it it's happening on so many different levels. Like I work mostly in you know car, things that carry people, right? And it's interesting to see it happening in at the at the very level where it's a thing that carries a thing that carries people, right? <laughs> let me ask you this. So one of the things I find fascinating about Zing is that because you're creating a platform that's modular, to me, that has a lot of potential to grow in multi directions. So every startup I've worked with and led designer, let's say everything from Zooks to Neuro, they have a very specific thing they want to make. And now that's neither good nor bad. But what I notice is that thing is so specific that it that the audience for it can be limited, which is unique about what Zing is doing is that it's because it's this platform, when I first saw it, I was like, that has potential to be much bigger than it's going to be. Does Zing have aspirations of doing other types of vehicles or working with other companies to create roadworthy vehicles, et cetera, or road legal vehicles, et cetera? Yeah. So so originally, that's the, the platform was designed to, to be road you know, capable, travel 55 mm -hmm. miles per hour and all that kind of stuff. But we took a hard look at the autonomy space, right? And what we realized is people carriers are going mm -hmm. to move significantly slower in terms of adoption and everything else than cargo, right? Right. So when you look at the explosion of autonomy, you're going to see incredible growth in the, in the agricultural sector, in the construction sector, in the moving goods sector, yes. cargo versus people. We will eventually get two people. There's no question about it. But that that's literally years down the road. And the learnings that we'll gain moving cargo of all different kinds will, mm -hmm. will all be put to use when it comes time to actually move people. But yeah, we, we look at this vehicle as a technology carrier, right? It's a mm -hmm. it's a conveyance vehicle that can that can do both cargo and people, but we the, the, the applications, I, I can imagine, you know, that you're seeing all this. The applications are huge, right? They're across, across delivery, across like, you know, ports and, and military, all, all, anything that, that a human doesn't need to drive, doesn't need to transport, you know, a robot's going to do it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that happening on so many levels. So as we get close to the end, these are very short podcasts, uh, and I want to give a, uh, you a, a chance to tell my favorite part of the podcast. So um, first, I want people to be able to find you, which I love that you have a background. So tell people where they can find Zing. Zingrobotics.com. Uh, boom. Easy. If people want to talk to you, ask you questions, work with you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, they, they can. There's a, there's a contact form on the website. Um, okay, great. They just enter in their details, shoot it off, and, and we look at every single one. Excellent. I'm definitely going to be passing it around to certain designers. I know that I think would be just <laughs> the last thing I want to say is tell 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 our viewers because this is a show about connection, you know, inspiration and stuff. What's your favorite thing about working on this kind of vehicle? Like, what do you love about it when you go into work? Oh man, that is a so so. It traces back to exactly what we were talking about. It's the modularity of it. Right. Mm -hmm, so this mm -hmm. this vehicle's capabilities 
is literally only limited to our own capacity to think up what could go on top of that. What are the other use cases that this could be applied to? It's exponential, right? So what I love is that there, that challenge exists every day to continuously look at the environment that we're working in and ask ourselves, how could we do this better? And what could we turn over to the robots to do better for us so we can focus on the higher order things like thinking of other stuff the robots could do for us and mm-hmm. lower our costs yeah. and everything else. I love, love, love what you said about this technology is only limited to our imagination. I'm paraphrasing. But what you just said there to me, that's like a life lesson. Like you're 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 going into like Oprah Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra territory. Like this is good stuff. Like life is only limited to our imagination, right? And so is this technology. Like you seem like the kind of guy that would do this job even if it wasn't you weren't getting paid for it. Like you think like you really love it. I, his, your bosses and stuff, they need to pay you. I'm just saying, like, I see the passion there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, listen, thanks for Thanks for coming on the show. This is uh, I'm really excited to watch this company grow. I have it personally marked. And um, I really, uh, you know, let's plan to have you come back uh, as this grows. And, and I'd love to hear more about it as it, awesome. as it goes on. Thank yeah. you, Bernie. Zingrobotics.com, everybody. Check him out. <laughs> There you have it, another episode of Why You Gotta Tune In. People drive in the future today with things like Zing Robotics, only on Driven by Design. Here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio.net. <laughs>